The holidays are just around the corner, and it's time to be thinking about getting those perfect gifts for family, friends, or maybe even for yourself. We have the perfect opportunity for you to take care of that shopping list and support ACB Media at the same time. It's the ACB Media Holiday Auction. Join us on Sunday, November 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Zoom or on ACB Media. You can bid on great, unique items like handmade crafts, collectibles, technology, and food including those wonderful baked goods and a whole lot more. If you want to get a jump start on things, the Sneak-A-Peak Appetizer Auction is also back this year on November 25th and 26th. Watch your email for more details or contact Leslie Spoon. Her email address is lesliespoon at cfl.rr.com. We'll see you Sunday, November the 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific at the ACB Media Holiday Auction. Happy bidding! The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Thank you, Herbie, and uh, uh, this is Willie Shaw welcoming you all. <clears throat> excuse me, for I Love Braille on November the 17th, 2022. This program is sponsored by the East Bay Center for the Blind that's in Berkeley, California, and is supported by American Council of the Blind. Every third Thursday, we have a poll star for the month. And the poll star for this program means that one of us, one of the participants, shares his or her story with you about learning and using Braille. And I'm pretty certain that you find this event, this presentation, inspiring, enlightening, and helpful. So our poll star for this month of November is Dorothy Brown, a long-time associate with promotion of Braille and herself having learned Braille at late age. It will be interesting to hear her, uh, how she managed to learn and how she is using and what are the limitations of using Braille. <coughs> I'm sorry, I had some distraction. Uh, I'm going to hand over the floor to Dorothy Brown, but I would like to thank everybody to, for joining today. And of course, my special thanks go to Dorothy, who is not only an active participant of this weekly program, but also quite caring. And she brings to my attention off and on why someone is not uh, attending so-and-so program, you know, this I Love Braille. So she keeps a watch on participants and helps. If any of the participants has any problem, you know, she reaches out and makes sure that they attend if they are willing. 
So that is a big help. Thank you so much, Dorothy, for keeping uh, everybody together. That's a good gesture of helping each other. Thank you for your care and love. And with that, I hand this mic over to Dorothy Brown. Hello, Valene and everyone. Thank you for inviting me, Valene. It's a great honor to be here. Um, this is uh, made more difficult by the fact that as a late learner, um, for I was I was 69 when I started learning Braille. Um, I am not the great uh, techies that you guys are, so uh, you'll have to forgive me and maybe help me watch my time, Belaine, if you will. I, I will. I'll um, do it. You don't worry about okay, that. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Uh, so uh, I had. I had named my piece uh, when I wrote this to keep it uh, the upside of down. And uh, I came up with that title when I was doing my um, application to study and learn Braille with long distance uh, from Hadley Institute for the Blind. I, I was uh, born sighted, and um, the middle child of three children, um, my, my uh, parents both were told before they met each other that they would never be able to have children. So... When they um, when they had the third child, my brother, who was nearly seven years younger, my mother took all three of us back into her cardiologist. Uh, for I think my parents had a sense of humor about what was going on with them. My mother had been told that she would not be able to have kids because she had been born with a hole in her heart before uh, there was any medication to heal that hole. My dad, uh, himself in glasses when he was only five years old and already sitting on a plow, uh, dad had been injured on a PT boat. He was a medic in the army um, and mainly in the, the waters along the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, so the hole in his back was caused by an open prop on the PT boat and to his credit and strength, um, and alone on that boat, he climbed up the ladder of a ship and collapsed on the deck. And that was the beginning of his recovery. Um, but that's why they were both told that they would not have children. Um, I loved it that um, my mother took us back to her cardiologist because when he had operated on her at 16, she was one of the first people in the U.S. to live from an open heart surgery. And uh, so I can see that it was her joy and dad's 
that I think they had beat the odds on some things. And this would continue in their lives. Um, and of course, it greatly impacted me as I would move forward because I think they were brave. Um, <clears throat> when I when I wrote my piece uh, for application to Hadley, um, I told my story in such a way that I would be able to be accepted that um, I had graduated from high school. I'd had um, maybe a year's worth of work at San Antonio Community College. And then um, I also knew that I needed to have a way after losing sight to keep my keep my literacy literacy up and uh, that it was for me a pathway a pathway not just for my life but to uh, to remain literate uh, because I was losing my hearing um, that would be a problem and um, the the loss of sight and hearing would be Usher syndrome which I never got to but uh, they still have not figured out which um, kind of RP I have. And I only found out through seeing a new retinal specialist September the 28th of this year that believe it or not, folks, there are about 20 different things that can um, cause one to be uh, known to have RP. Interesting enough, a lot of people, I think, don't try to investigate that, but um, though I was, I was told uh, September the 28th of this year by my new retinal guy that um, they can't do anything for me, and for that, I had waited four and a half hours to get to see him, and it took him about five minutes to look and tell that there was nothing they could do. My hope was when I went in that we could tweak my vision, removing two different kinds of cataracts on each eye that I did not know I had. Uh, so that that was what happened with that. But uh, going back though to you know trying to figure out how to how to learn, um, I had worked 38 years uh, in different uh, fields. Um, some of the most interesting were, uh, I, I uh, first went to work for court reporters. Now, this was before I had, you know, knew that I had any vision loss, but I went to work for court reporters. I worked for two flight schools. Um, I worked for two oil tool companies. Um, so there was a lot of diversity in where I worked, what kind of work I did. But when I got to my job at a medical school um, was when I began to have problems with the fact that now I'm trying to work and keep a job and earn a living for I was raising two children. And how would I continue to do that? Um, my, my chief 
did not um, did not think that I could continue to do that for in um, I'm thinking uh, about 1990. Um, I was told that. I would be totally blind in four years. Um, so things did not look good. And my chief uh, came in behind me and locked the door and sat down and said, you know, I have to, um, I have to uh, make the decision that's best for the unit, which in other words, he's meaning uh, that he is not going to, um, be including me in their workforce. And so that's when I got in touch with Lighthouse for the Blind so that um, a blind advocate there could help me, instruct me uh, to know how to keep my job. So uh, it's, it's been a really long road, but I wanna back up for a minute though and tell you that the first time I ever noticed that I had a vision loss and the first time my parents were aware that there was some kind of a problem. I was actually 12 years old. Uh, my parents had moved about 19 times uh, by the time I was 12. And we were in this new uh, little house and area that I did not know. And uh, I had stepped uh, outside um, and I, in the dusk, of the evening, I did not see a diamondback rattlesnake. And it had sounded its warning signal, which if y'all know the diamondback rattlesnake, it's po very poisonous. And uh, it it rattles uh, the, the tail of those making that sound. And my mother and dad both knew that sound all too well, because we'd um, in part been raised in the Texas Hill Country. So um, I heard my mother scream inside the house and I knew not to move because the movement is what causes the snake to be able to see you. And so um, my dad whispered to me, don't move. And he literally shot the snake. Uh, and I don't know if it was left of me, right of me. Honestly, I have no idea. I never saw the snake. But there it was right at the back door of the house. And we were up over a little creek where later my brothers and I would learn how to swim. But um, that was the first sign, I think, that my parents knew that I had a problem, a vision problem. And so uh, that got them to uh, take me to Texas State Optical. And uh, if, if the doctor saw anything that was different about rods and cones in my eyes at that time, we were not told. So um, a little later then, I'll tell you in my story that uh, when I moved from uh, the San Antonio area, which is a huge city of like 1.7 million people, um, my husband and I and my two kids moved to uh, an area around Houston and our humble Texas. And at that time, uh, the doctor's you know, wanted us all to establish care. And so at, at uh, 24, I think I was, uh, so I've still not been told anything's wrong with my eyes other than that I got the pair of glasses that would not be the only thing that I would need, y'all, I'm sure y'all know. Um, but my, 
my children were checked and the eye doctor set up service for me also. And when he looked at my eyes at that age, uh, he told me, I want you to be seen every year. Promise me you will be seen every year. Well, uh, we were never seen uh, every year for anything when I was growing up. So I just figured this was normal eye care. And so, of course, I told him I would. Well, at that time, I was still driving a car. And so um, um, I guess, you know, <laughs> through through all of this, my vision got worse over the years. I would get to the UT campus, uh, which was the, the medical school where I had worked for um, – I had 21 years of history at the medical school and um, that was my favorite job of all. Um, there were other interesting stories along the way, but uh, one reason that job was so important to me, um, y'all, and I, I love hearing your stories. In fact, I love hearing what your eye condition is because um, we can all learn from each other's eye conditions. And uh, so I love hearing your story, even though I've had a, a close friend who's blind and nearly totally deaf tell me he doesn't like to hear people's stories, but I do. So uh, I'm grateful whenever y'all share with me. But um, as it turned out, my, my uh, 18 years at the medical school and the rest of it spent in the president's office at UTSA, um, the medical school turned out to be the really the love of my life and um i i just enjoyed that more than anything else uh one of the reasons that i did is the medical difficulties that my parents had gone through and then what they were able to do after that um my dad for instance nearly losing a leg from um backing into that open prop uh, he was one of the first people in the U.S. to successfully use penicillin. He begged them to uh, let him try penicillin rather than lose his left leg. So these were the kinds of things that brought me to now, you know, a career at the UTL Science Center and trying to figure out how do I keep my job. So um, as much as my chief thought that I shouldn't be there, uh, I wanted to be, and there was no reason uh, that I could not be. In other words, there are some things that um, Lighthouse and other places like that will tell you how to accommodate for. But um, once I got to the place where the vision was so much worse, and I had moved out to a rural area, and I thought, you know, how can I how can I learn, you know, how will I go to a school? And that's when uh, going through um, the Lions Low Vision Clinic, I was told about uh, Hadley Institute and Distance Learning. And that began my study of uh, Lit 1, 2, 3, and 4. And um, not, not easy times of doing that. Uh, one of the things that happened to me in Lit 1 and Lit 2 is that uh, it, it took me about a year to do those two courses. But um, when I 
when I started listening to the dictation, at one point the dictation did not match uh, the book, and uh, it was it was strange because I'd never I didn't I did not hear from that instructor uh, verbally, and um, so once my my sighted visitor, my daughter was here, and I said, okay, this is what I'm finding. And uh, it doesn't match. And so I decided I had to call my instructor. And when my instructor got on the line with me, which was the first time I'd ever talked to her outside of email, um, she didn't believe me that the information did not match. And so I turned the the, uh, phone over to my daughter because we had already checked it out before we called the instructor. And um, it was the wrong book. And so I don't know what would have happened to me if, you know, in that situation. But it taught me, I guess, that um, maybe the teachers uh, at Hadley were not going to be talking directly to the students. So it set me up for something very serious. Uh, and, Valine, you know this, because I didn't tend to, to talk to you, Valine, and that was my fault. And at the end of a year of Lit 3, and Valine, thank you for, for that uh, instruction time. It served me so well. And uh, all of the help along the, the years and until current um, has just been really helpful. Um, but at the end of Lit 3, um, I did not know uh, what to do next because I'd had such a hard time and a lot of it was my fault because I was trying to work solo. And uh, I was also kind of uh, crying my way through um, because even when I got my first package of um, books and so on from Hadley, um, I I could not see the things inside the box. And I, I just thought, how in the world am I gonna do this? And I had a classmate of mine that had uh, gone to UT Austin, um, like Karen Thomas had. How smart, you know, and Karen, I think, did it um, with difficulty with vision. But my friend Mac had graduated high school with me. And I cried and said, you know, when I got this package, how am I going to do this? Because I can't see it. And he kept encouraging me, you can do it. And that kind of encouragement, I guess, is what has caused me over the years to um, to also encourage the others around me, uh, which you mentioned, Valine, and I thank you so much for that. Um, so the work is doable, uh, very doable, but it was a very difficult process. And um, I think that when I got to the end of Lit 3, and I was having so much trouble um, with my studies. My son had continued to tell me because he had seen me working through this and, and knew that, you know, I was unhappy a lot. And it it really had to do with me just trying to make the transition of uh, of learning Braille. You know, like, how do I do that? And had I waited too long? So that kind of idea sort of continued in my thinking. And um, I had decided then, and it, 
um, I think I talked to you a couple of times, Celine, you know, and uh, I knew that I had had, I had had a lot of trouble, Celine, I know you will recall, transitioning between the slate and stylus and the braille writer. So there were those sections that we could, uh, we could do anything we wanted to do in one of those sections, but it had to be from the slate and stylus. Uh, at least I know there was one one part that uh, we could write anything we wanted to. I think otherwise we were probably writing whatever was dictated, but doing on Slate and Stylus until, instead of Braille Writer. And I, my brain was not transitioning well in between those two. And so that was a really difficult time for me. But I think at that time, Celine, that was the first time that, that uh, you knew uh, because I – I told you that, you know, I had come to faith early on, uh, really when I was about seven years old. And um, I had mentioned to you that I wanted to use Braille uh, to learn how to read uh, my scriptures for my Sunday school class using Braille. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was that was just a really important move for me, you know, to to kind of put that out there where at times we're not allowed to talk about that or say politics, you know, because we can get into arguments about those things. But um, it was it was a great joy for me that at an early age and it was actually a, a tragedy in my life. I think I'll call it a tragedy tragedy because. I finally figured it out that um, while my mother and father was, were at the hospital having my baby brother, um, a terrible thing had happened to me. And I, I was told that it did not happen. And that kind of shut me up. Um, I didn't talk during those years, y'all. I went to school. Um, I studied real hard so that by the time I graduated. I was a National Honor Society student, um, very good grades, but um, I was offered a scholarship that my dad turned down because uh, he said, you know, we have uh, two boys, we have to educate them. So I wasn't going to end up getting the education. So um, these were strange times, though, because really, y'all, what kind of shut me up is uh, I just I didn't really engage real well with other people. Uh, I was well liked and a part of it was that uh, I was so quiet that you know maybe people didn't realize <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. uh, who I really was but uh, I was in band for eight years. Uh, I was a majorette and I guess when I I found out that I had retinitis pigmentosa, you know, and we would go back to class reunions, I would tell my friends, you know, that now at least I had an excuse for why I couldn't see that, that high-flying baton in the air at football games. Uh, But that also is something that not being able to see, to catch uh, the baton in the lights of the football field, that and um, later on the the falling and so on, because I I fell into the street actually a few times, but uh, those were the kinds of things that told me something else is going on here, and um, 
but I could I could at least tell my friends and laugh about it in high school, you know, that are in reunions after that, that that's why I couldn't catch the baton. Uh, so there was a lot of okay. fun about it. Um, so, Dorothy, now, would you can... like to tell how you are using Braille after having learned? Yes, yes, okay. yes, I would. Yeah. Um, so you know, then yeah, we can okay. we can have the floor open for questions. So yeah, okay. please go ahead. All right. Yeah. Um, how I'm using Braille now? Uh, honestly, I have uh, one of my friends uh, who transcribes. Uh, is transcribing the uh, the Braille for my Sunday school lessons, and so everyone else. And by the way, I'm I'm sort of the self assigned secretary for my Sunday school class, and um, so I'm still doing that. I don't write it in Braille to them though, so I'm able to still see enough with remnants of vision at four and eight on each eyeball that I can. Uh, you know, keep up with the notes myself, but uh, but write them in an email, the prayer and praise report. And um, uh, so I'm reading to study the lesson, though, because it slows me down enough that um, by reading it in Braille, that I can actually get the words into my head because I'm I'm a visual learner who doesn't have vision enough to you know i i don't see well to to read and write anything my the only way that i can see anything on my computer is um with a black background and white letters and that ability to do that is quickly going so i'm a non-techie person who's having to use braille to keep up with other things such as uh i labeling um my I don't, I'm not on any prescription meds, but labeling uh, over the counter uh, meds and things like that, and also labeling for uh, foods. And what I do is take a little, um, you know, one of the smallest cards or even cut it in half. And I can use that card and I keep them in a stack. Uh, so that then becomes my my way to uh, tell me what it is that I've already used up that I can make a grocery list for myself, things like that. Um, I've done some communication um, with pen pals with Braille. I have not done as good at, as, at that as I was doing before. So I'm at risk for losing my Braille. And that's one reason why I keep coming back to all of you and hearing your stories and trying to uh, gain things that are answers for questions that I still have, or even to remind me of how to write certain codes. Um, one thing that really tickled me, uh, for instance, and speaking of talking in code, I know Rick and Carol talked about um, the the saying of the um, the thing to the taxi cab driver where Carol was uh, doing the one, three, four, five, you know, the, the uh, do not tip, don't tip the taxi driver. And I remember laughing because I finally figured out what she was saying, but Rick, Rick was saying, no, 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 don't go there. You know, or stop, wait, slow down. And uh, I remember laughing and thinking, uh, I have trouble learning that way too, or 
thinking that way about frail dots in the air uh, as opposed to, you know, trying to fill them with your hands. So I totally got it, you know, what Rick was saying, but also thought, you know, it it would be funny if the taxi cab driver had been around somebody who was learning Braille. Because by the way, y'all, while I was learning Braille, uh, especially in the two years of Lit 4, um, I actually had a family of about five of my, um, well, my, my family of five, that is my granddaughter and her family living with me. And that made trying to learn Braille extra hard too, because of the noise. Uh, there's not good acoustics in the house. And um, then that and the having trouble switching back and forth in my mind uh, from the Slate and Solace to the Braille Rider, but uh, getting woke up in the middle of the night, uh, you know, part of my struggle uh, was trying to get my work done uh, so that it was quiet and not interruption. So there was a lot of uh, repeat work that I was doing. And I guess one of the things I found out that was super important in learning Braille, other than starting to teach my my great grands um, Braille also, you know, the Braille alphabet, was um, just um, that learning. Because um, Delene, I finished with a 98 in Lit 4. How did I do that? But the the memorizing of it is not key, and it's not a, an end of things when we finish a course. It is the beginning. Uh, it was just the beginning of what I would need to do and keep up, and it's it's not easy, but it's quite doable. And uh, I I feel like that by the grace of God, you know, I've I've been able to accomplished that and now I look to y'all when I meet with you I really want to hear about braille you know more than anything else not necessarily the games and so on because that's never inspired me as much as just uh, how can I keep this and what will remind me of code um, and how do I eke out enough time to do that because I'm I'm living alone I don't have an assistant and so uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for y'all as my friends to help me find ways to keep this code that I've learned. And I thank you so much. Great. Thank you so much, Dorothy, for sharing your story. Uh, friends, what we can learn from her story, number one, that it is definitely a struggle when you have a sight loss and hearing loss to learn something. And secondly, any transition is always difficult. So, Dorothy, you're not alone when you had to face the transition from print to Braille. And uh, as I said, any transition, you know, when I came to this country, of course, I came as a lawful immigrant, but that was a transition for me. And uh, there were several things that I knew about the United States and American culture, but there were several other things that I did not know. And you may laugh at me that I asked somebody how much was her salary. That's common in India, but not here. So that happens, you know, that that's a, that was a cultural transition. Uh, by the way, I know that uh, we uh, have 
uh, people who have several questions and uh, almost 30, 33 minutes have gone. So I would not talk too much. I have several <laughs> things to tell. But one important thing is Dorothy mentioned about Lit 1, 2, 3, 4. That is Braille literacy courses divided into four sections. Uh, Braille literacy 1, Braille 2, Braille 3, and Braille 4. That's how Hadley distance education courses were designed. Uh, so those who do not know, uh, this should help them clarify what it meant. Yes. And of Thank course, you. Uh, you can all ask questions about that. Um, uh, but of course, you know, many of you know that I was teaching at Hadley and Dorothy was my student. And uh, uh, we have had a weekly program at that, you know, at, at that time when I had my job. Which was, which was known as Embracing Braille. And Dorothy was a regular participant as much as she is for I Love Braille. And of course, after my uh, job at Hadley, uh, I wanted to continue this weekly Braille program. So I would like to take this opportunity to thank to Dorothy Donovell, immediate past president of the uh, Board of Directors for East Bay Center for the Blind, under whose leadership the East Bay Center for the Blind allowed me to start this weekly program. And that's why I continue to support Braille, having I Love Braille as a weekly online program. That's a little brief story. I thought at this time is a, a, a time opportune that I should share. Well, friends, I'm sorry to take your time. Raise your hands okay. and feel free to ask questions. Okay. We have our yes, we do. Yes. Okay, uh, Jane. And by the way, we have our host Cindy here from American Council of the Blind, the ACB that has been a staunch supporter of Hilo Braille. Yes, Cindy, go ahead. Okay, Jane. What a yes. 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 Go ahead. Three three things. Number okay. one. I am so glad that your love of, your purpose-driven love of, and your graciousness provoked or prompted you, Valine, to say, okay, one job is finished, but I'm going to go find a new spot so that me and my six dots can keep encouraging others. You do a great job. Dorothy. Thank you. You are you are more than welcome. Dorothy, um, what I love about your story is that you were determined to keep using Braille where it could serve you well. You kept experimenting, you kept checking it out, you kept figuring out your own systems, and that is a great um testimonial to others about where Braille can make a difference. Um, anyway, I'm one of those those uh, pen pal kind of folks. I think that's how we met, right, Dorothy? Um, but yeah, Hadley yeah. is just a great resource. So any of you who have not ever checked it out, do check it out. Its class structure is very different now than when I took classes, but oh well. Anyway, that's all. I hope others will ask questions. And Dorothy, I was scared by the rattlesnake. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> later, later. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. You want to respond to her? 
Yeah, thank you, Jane. Thanks so much. Uh, and, you know, uh, you have encouraged me so much along the way also. Um, we never know what we're going to learn from someone else. Uh, and we have to be willing to share our friendship and our story to do that. Uh, yeah. Jane knows Jane knows that um, I, I actually helped teach a lady who's now 95 uh, Braille while I was taking Braille. And so I was hoping that uh, that Jane was going to be in her same neighborhood and meet my friend. And that never happened. But, hey, we're all still here. So thank you, Jane. Yes. God bless yes, you. Yes, ma'am. Later, later. I'm glad we're in Texas together. Ah, <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And by the way, 30 participants heard you, Dorothy. So that's a good number. Thank okay. You. All right. Okay. Who's next? Okay, everybody. Every time I say nobody has their hand up, somebody puts their hand up. So, oh, but nobody okay. has their hand up. So I see. Okay. okay see, I yes. knew it. Okay. Area code 573. Oh, yeah. And 440. Oh, you want to let us know who you he's are? He's our buddy. Uh, we meet again. Hey. Hey, Rick. Dorothy. Good job. Hey, congratulations. <laughs> and uh, good presentation. And I. Uh, have to say, I especially admire you, Dorothy. Um, one, dealing with the hearing loss as well. I'm kind of interested in how much hearing loss that is. Uh, that would totally freak me out because I just got a pair of hearing aids myself. And uh, anyway, I was a borderline case, but I can only imagine if it were serious, man, it would be, I don't know if I could deal with it. Um, and as bad as it is to know going into your life that uh, you have your you know, the serious vision problems and have to deal with Braille and all that, it must be even worse to have your life underway. You got kids to raise, a job to take care, you know, to be responsible for, and all of a sudden, whammo, you can't see. Uh, maybe not whammo, but even <laughs> even it degrades to the point where it interferes. Uh, yes, for a little while. I was able to use the uh, white on black through a visual tech CCTV sort of thing too. Back in was it 1878? I guess it's 1978, uh -huh. and it didn't last very long. So yeah, it's gradual vision loss, even even in small degrees, can make a big difference. Like at one time, I could see the uh, the names on my albums, and now I can't. So uh, or, or the the labels on a can of soup. So yeah. you know, small losses can make a big difference. And uh, I'm a visual learner too, which is why when I hear someone say a, a name or a, an unfamiliar name or a new word or something like that, I'll, especially foreign one, I'll ask them to spell it because if I can see it on a screen in my head, even in Braille, in fact, usually in Braille, uh, and like you, apparently you did, you must have learned the letters by becoming familiar with the shapes more than the dot positions. <laughs> Carol over here learned Probably. the dot positions. I sure did. <laughs> so she's, and I, I learned them, but I still had to slog through it. Let's see, this shape is, let's see, one, three, five, six, right. Uh, and she can just, you know, like a machine gun. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is that um, I can remember when we were first married and Rick saying, oh, 
I didn't know there was a mailbox on the corner. And I guess it was somebody <laughs> wearing whatever the color of mailbox is. And she and this lady who Rick thought was the mailbox said, well, there isn't. And so, you know, not only is there the Braille to learn, but trying to differentiate what's really at the corner. I guess it's not a mailbox. (laughs) Or something like that should be visible but isn't. Like I was walking home from where I was going to school one night, and it was in the evening. The sun was coming out of the west. I was walking east. Anything on the sidewalk should have been plainly visible, but that refrigerator wasn't. Bam. And Uh, one of my mm. teeth shattered. (laughs) So, yeah, weird stuff happens. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you, uh, Rick and Cheryl. Gosh, I love hearing y'all. And uh, I did laugh about that taxi cab story because... I believe you remember that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that was really funny. But uh, I really appreciate it. And, you know, uh, you bring up something important, uh, several things, but the... The one I'm really thinking about right now is Charles Bonnet syndrome, which I had not mentioned that, but people who are barn-sighted and lose sight have difficulty with Charles Bonnet syndrome, and I'm one of those people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, yeah, you have to distinguish between, uh, like, when you see the the uh, stationary item on the on the security gate moving like a worm or like a snake, and that's not what you're seeing. You know, uh, it's helpful that we learn what is real and what is it that our brain is uh, yes. still trying to figure like out. Even walking through our own house, uh, we have a large dark bookcase near a dark hallway that leads to a, the laundry room and a bathroom and a carport doorway. Um, and it's not at all unusual for one to suddenly bang, turn into the other. And yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, Rick has talked about things pivoting in the room, and it's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I would I. not have never <laughs> known that because I don't remember being able to see anything except light perception at four, age four that I don't remember seeing. But I was told about it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't even have light perception, so I don't know what the light means. Do it, girl. I don't either, but. <laughs> I was told I had it until age four, and my brother remembers that I had it, but I sure don't. (laughs) Uh uh Okay. (laughs) All right. So shall we go to the next person? Go ahead. All right. Do we have one more? Go ahead. You're muted, Dorlin. Dorlin. All right. Thank you. Um, Dorothy, thank you so much. What a fascinating presentation. I just so enjoyed it. and thank your persistence. You, <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you just for being so open about everything. Um, it was really fascinating. And I love the um, the title, The Upside of Down. It's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Very cool. And, you know, I had a question for you about how you organize your Braille. Um, for example, your Sunday school um the scriptures for that. Is that something you have in electronic Braille or do you have hard copy in a binder? How do you keep track of that? Um, Good question. Okay. The, the church uh, that I belong to in downtown San Antonio is uh, providing uh, the class with the quarterly. Now I can't read the quarterly without using like a light reader or something. And those machines, you know, pronounce the words wrong and all that stuff, which drives me crazy. But (laughs) Uh, one of my friends that I actually graduated high school with, 
uh, is reading that uh, quarterly to me, but uh, I'm getting the scripture reference so itself in my favorite version, not just for me uh, as provided by my transcriber, but but for two other uh, Braille readers. And that is how that is what we're using to keep our Braille. I, I know that okay. others say it can't be done and that's too complicated a book, but uh, the work is in UEB. And so and the wonderful thing is, too, you can use the, say, I like King James Version, uh, and I can play the Bible app. If I don't recognize a word, I can actually play the Bible app, and it's like a, a dictation for any other book. Does that make sense, Dorlin? Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that helps. And, uh, but yeah. you you need and to know so, computer for that, correct? Or the phone? Um, for for what? I'm sorry. For the, for the app, you know, the app that you are using. Oh, for the app. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have it. You know the Talking Books program. Mm. Uh, so I I have a a digital app that is for that talking books program. So I can put that Bible app right in there uh -huh. and it will, it will play that book for me. And so oh, really? that's another tool. Yeah. That's another tool. Oh, good to know. Yeah. To check yourself. Yeah. But that is uh, one of the ways that two uh, of my other friends and I are, are, we read together about three times a week. And uh, as mm -hmm. far as the notes though, Dorlin, you were talking about the Sunday school class. Uh, I actually still, because I'm so good at keyboarding after 38, 38 years of keyboarding as an administrative secretary, mm. uh, I can still keyboard the notes. And uh, it's difficult reading. Like I've, I've told the class that I don't eat or drink anything because I have a tendency toward blood sugar problems. So I don't get to eat or drink until I've uh, gone over those notes and finished my report. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Dorothy. Not easy. Not easy, but doable. <laughs> Not easy, right. But <laughs> doable, right. as Dorothy said hey, before. Yeah, you know? nothing, nothing worth doing is, is, uh, is easy, right? I mean, we, it's, it's hard, but we do it because uh, we, we want the good end result. Over. Okay, awesome. great. All right. Uh, I encourage people to raise your hands and ask questions we have more time and let's utilize the time we have at our disposal okay wait. you don't have any hands up yet um, no hands Kirby, up how about clubhouse <laughs> got anybody in clubhouse anybody who has a question comments observation suggestion no hands in clubhouse okay all right hannah <laughs> go ahead there you go. Thank you, Colby. First of all, I say thank you, Dorothy, for such a wonderful presentation. And I just thank had one you, had one little quick comment about what Rick said earlier. For some reason, as I was losing my sight, I would say, "Excuse me," to an object and bump into people. Sounds <laughs> a little reversed. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Well, uh, actually, I'm I'm doing some of that. I'm you know I talk to the door frame and uh, uh-huh. uh, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very difficult. But uh, and also, uh, to, uh, Rick had mentioned this too. Um, I don't know how much of my uh, hearing loss is right now. Uh, it was twenty percent the last two times I've been checked, but that was pre-COVID, so I'm long overdue for a checkup. Uh, I'm at the point uh, now with some of that where, um, you know, there are days when uh, I will hear a sound on property. This was what I've been warned about so far. When you have a hearing loss that's 20% or more, uh, you might not uh, get the right direction from which danger is coming. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So that yeah. I live out in a rural area. And so I might think that it's coming from this one area and it's a a totally different area, which is important, you know, like if you're needing to, to flee away from danger. So uh, there's that. Um, So it -hmm. it is difficult. Uh, I, I also, I'm, I'm the only person under my roof uh, as of right now. And uh, there are times when I get up and I, I can't see part of my face or sometimes I can't see any of my face. So I'm, I'm a headless person there trying to take care of this old lady who lives here. <laughs> so it, it can be <laughs> challenging. And uh, th- yeah. thank you for the comment, Hannah. Did you have anything else? Oh, when you said you, you're, you could only see part of your face. I, unfortunately, I, I have very little vision left now, but as I, when I had a little bit more, sometimes people look like they didn't have heads. Yes. <laughs> so I'd be careful it, how I said that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and I'm glad you said that because remember I told you just not too long ago, you know, I, and I've got a lot of like uh, black in my visual field and green in my visual field. So that particular day, I either looked like a head that had camo or no head at all. That's kind of what it looked like. So I don't know what that is, but they're telling me, you know, the vision is going and uh, I don't have a report back on the genetics behind all of that. But I, I will tell all of you one thing. I learned something very important. And while I was at the medical school, they kept wanting to look at me uh, and they could never find my chart. So they would call me and ask me if I had checked my own chart out. And I was at the medical school where I could have done that. And uh, what we found is that uh, the the uh, chairman of the Department of Ophthalmology kept my chart on the right-hand corner of his desk the whole time I worked there and the whole time that he was serving there. So that was kind of interesting, too. You, you know you're a rare breed when your chart is on the corner of the chairman's desk. So, And I didn't work for ophthalmology, by the way. I worked for... Um, I worked for medicine, gastroenterology, and nutrition, and uh, I loved okay. it. Anyway, thanks for your comments. So I'm not the only headless one. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I can't so, see my own head yeah. either. <laughs> All right, and, and, you go, Hannah. And Hannah is a staunch supporter of Braille. You know, she loves Braille. I'm pretty sure about that. Um, yeah, so it's just, you know, Braille is a tactile system. It's based on uh, touching dots, but there are also other things tactile that we use, uh, like how your 
supervisor kept the card on always on the right side so that you can feel it you touch it and that's how you manage you know that's just one example there are several ways we manage our life we manage our world using the touch you know tactile ability is a blessing for people who cannot see including myself okay any more okay. hands up yes, please sir. feel free you to ask uh, yes yes three Three now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> People are waking okay. up. Okay, go That's ahead. That's right. All right. Area code 608 ending in 556. You want to let us know who you are? Yeah, that's good. Go good. ahead. Okay. 608 is our friend. Rhonda? Yes. Rhonda. And I, I want to thank Lee. my friend Dorothy for her beautiful presentation. I'm mm -hmm. so moved by hearing your whole story. A lot of it I didn't I did not know. And all my life, I've been looking for a group like this, where everybody is going through the same kind of thing. So everybody understands what the other people are experiencing. And you don't have to explain everything all the time. I just get exhausted trying to explain to people. So yeah. uh, right. you thank you to. for this group. <laughs> thank you for this yeah. group. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Rhonda, thank you so much. Uh, I know that, you know, uh, you had said one time to me, you know, we, we all need a voice in here. And uh, the things that we say might be difficult for somebody to understand, say, uh, uh, like Belene and Dawn, who uh, have not seen light. Uh, it's very different. But I know um, one of our friends, uh, Claris Coco, um, who herself uh, mm -hmm. told me one day, you know, I don't know how to answer my sons about my vision because when you have retinitis pigmentosa, it manifests in all different kinds of ways. And uh, she could not figure out how do I tell him because when we wake up in the morning, if it's a light outside or if it's dark, uh, that changes how we see everything uh, even just a cloud coming over the skylight at Walmart would throw me off, Rhonda, and I would have to wait. I had ridden the bus over there to shop, and I would have to wait until the the cloud and the sun like changed their positions again because the time for the adjustment of rods and cones has to begin all over. So it, it is very difficult to understand. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you all one other funny thing. My daughter told me that when I took her to high school, uh, I think I was trying to help her get, um, well, just get there so that she could register for her classes that year. And I already by then, y'all, I was tripping on the, the uh, cracks in the sidewalk. That's how bad it was. I've fallen between the hospitals, you know, at the medical center. Uh, so, I mean, life gets real funny when, you know, you're not bouncing very well. Over. Oh, okay. oh thank you, Dorothy. Over. Uh -huh. Okay. We go to the next person now. Thank okay. you, Randa. Area code 970, ending in 318. You want to unmute? Hi, this is Estelle calling from Colorado. Thank Estelle. you Dorothy, very much Welcome. for sharing your story. Uh, I think it's important that we hear 
stories of people who have struggled in their life and struggled with Braille and continue to struggle. I know that when I go to or I hear the uh, support groups and they give us all these wonderful inspirational stories of people who have accomplished so much in their life. And I, when I hear those stories, I'm very happy for those people, but I am not one of those people. I am one that is still struggling. And I consider this struggle a, an important challenge in my life. It gives me goals to work toward. And I think it's very important that we do hear people that are not reaching the heights of the mountains and, and having a wonderful job and everything is working out well for them. We have to know that there's a lot of other people like us who are still struggling and thankful that they can. And uh, it's important that we hear these stories. Thank you so very you much. Do, Estelle, you do recognize my idea of having a pole star that each month somebody shares his or her story. Right, right. I think that's very important and very okay. meaningful. And that's why a lot of people come to the group. Yes. Because this, yeah. This, yeah. these are the kind of stories we need to hear. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. That's right. Okay. Thank you, Estelle. As, and Estelle, I still owe you a letter. <laughs> mm -hmm. Estelle is oh, one you're, of my you're pen pals? We're pen yeah. pals, yeah. Good, good, I'm good just not very good. I'm, I'm just not very good at writing, but you know what, Estelle? We're still struggling, which means we're still working at keeping on, keeping on, right? That's on, it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Gives us meaningful goals in life. Thank you. That is correct. Yeah. Over. So I think uh, the pen pal program uh, some other institute had is no longer there. I'm thinking of having one started through East Bay Center for the Blind. I, this is just loud thinking. I'm not sure how whether it will be approved or not, but I'm thinking of having it done. Okay. I would encourage you, yes, I would encourage you to consider calling it Braille Buddies instead of Pen Pals because we don't write oh. with pens. Haha, <laughs> good idea. Okay. Yeah, All right. That's a great idea. I got the good title idea. for my next initiative. Thank you, <laughs> Estelle. Oh, yes. Braille buddies. Okay. Okay. You don't have any hands up. Unless, Herbie, you have somebody in Clubhouse? We had three of them. Yeah. Well, one person put their hand down. Nobody in Clubhouse. Oh. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Sir. Nobody in Clubhouse. I think Clubhouse is still not popular, Herbie. But we love the idea. Okay. I think Linda had her, her hand she up. She did, but she took it down. Okay, you actually maybe. do have a couple of audience members in Clubhouse. They just don't have any questions. Okay. Very good. They're shy. They're shy, yeah. <laughs> yes, Linda took her hand down because she might have gotten her question answered. And I'm not saying she did, but she could have, you know. Yeah. So Actually, I was going to mention, I have the headless person problem. and. I think it's an advantage because I can't see how old I'm getting. So I can just oh. imagine that I'm as young as I always was. <laughs> but I have discovered that if yeah. people are headless, you're probably looking straight at them. And I find that confuses people, too, because they think they think you can see them and you can't, mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I do have a, a funny story. Well, I think it's funny. 
um, mm-hmm. about mistaking things for other things. Cause I'm a great one for speaking to trees and thinking they're people and things like that. I don't care. You know, I'll be polite mm-hmm. to trees, but I have cats and sometimes mm-hmm. they leave. Um, well, uh, hmm, they puke. <laughs> so I, you know, I always oh. have to clean it up. And then one day I picked it up and I thought, you know, that feels kind of stringy. What did they eat? And then I realized I was holding a dead mouse. Ah. Oh, no. So I washed my hands an awful lot <laughs> that day. <laughs> uh-uh. but there's, the, I mean, there's there's always surprises in life. That's it's what a, a cat life. does. Yeah. Yep. That's okay, their job. You have a hand. Okay. okay, Patty, go ahead and unmute. Yes, Patty. Okay. I just want to thank you, Dorothy, so much for your presentation. And I want to say that the one thing that really strikes me about all of this, our being together, is that transition is never easy. And, you know, as long as we can learn from one another, we will progress. And I always thank God for the opportunity that I had to teach because I didn't have trouble learning Braille and I used it all of my life, but um, I learned so much about how to teach it from, I learned more, I think, than my Navy students did from me because Mm -hmm. I learned how to teach it, uh, learning about the difficulties that everyone else was having. And I just thank God that I had the opportunity to teach. And thank you all of you for being here and for sharing. Um, And I also thank Valine um, that he took over my job at East Bay Center. (laughs) And I'm glad he's doing a good job. And so, This is Patricia Nash talking to you all. And uh, Patty, before you thank me, I should thank you. And not many people know that I Love Braille got started because of Patty, Patricia Nash. Uh, she introduced me to Dorothy Dunwell, and she took me to the board of directors for East Bay Center for the Blind, where I presented my proposal, and the board accepted. So, at the root of Isle of Braille, there's its fatty <laughs> no, no. dash. <laughs> well, thank you. That was, that was, I didn't. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dorothy, now, do you have any? All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, no more hands right now. No more hands, yeah. Okay. Can mm-hmm. may I say may I add something, Belaine? Yes, please. <clears throat> I didn't really tell y'all the significance of the of the title, the the upside of down. And see, this is how bad a speaker I am. So y'all are teaching me to rethink it. But um when I wrote that that paper, uh to to see if I could get into a school that would teach me and and uh, that I wouldn't have to drive to, et cetera. Um, I had read something at the medical school where I was working mm-hmm. about uh, the changes in people's lives. Mm. And in this case, I think the article was even talking about, you know, why are we okay with changing uh, the diaper on a baby? And we're not okay with changing the diaper on an adult whose life has changed and they have problems. And I think it gave me a kind of compassion. Uh, it made me realize that uh, we're all going to have changes in life. And how we deal with them is, is the important part. How will we learn uh, to, to uh, 
say to to learn Braille to figure out how to keep our literacy, uh, our abilities, our ability even to work. Um, it has to be through, um, you know, just being willing to do it and having the compassion to do it. But it also made me realize at that time I was losing my sight. Uh, I was around, you know, medical people all the time, every day. And I fought for about 12 years to keep my, my job there until I could retire. And uh, how do you live off of a secretary's income? Uh, you know, that's what I was doing. And, um, and, and I found a way to stay there. Uh, I, I was one of the ones that helped uh, organize a, a really the first uh, hepatitis C clinic in San Antonio. And had I not been willing to persevere and work out those last years through difficult circumstances, uh, I would not have been a part of that. So it's just important to realize that that we can do something that is difficult. It's not beyond our reach. And that is for me through God's help. So thank you for letting me share today. Okay, Over. thank you so much. Uh, it's like seven minutes past the hour. And thank you, Cindy, for being patient with us and uh, helping us with being the host. And as usual, thank you, Herbie. Uh, it looks you're enjoying our program. You're always there. So that our okay, special Herbie, thanks. Yes. May I ask? I'm sorry, Philly. Do, oh, and there, do you have, there's nobody here on Zoom. Is there anybody in Clubhouse? Oh, okay. Oh, there's sure. people in Clubhouse. They just don't oh, have I mean, any questions. Well, I mean, with their hands. <laughs> no hand up, right? <laughs> okay. Herbie? No, All no right. hands up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I All right. Herbie. So, uh, uh, if everything is, you know, fine, I would like to now conclude this session and not before thanking everybody to join and thanking Dorothy Brown for making a great presentation and, of course, thanking our host from ACB and uh, Herbie the Streamer, as they call. I don't know whether it's the right term, but a very strong supporter. And with that... Uh, by the way, a little reminder before you go. Next Thursday, we don't have this session because of Thanksgiving. So I wish you all happy Thanksgiving, as I mentioned before. Uh, Thanksgiving is an American holiday. So those people who are here, like Adriana from Macedonia and Abraham from South Africa or anybody else, uh, they may not know. but uh, Anyway, so that's Thanksgiving. It's a special holiday in America. There's a big story I thought I would share, but now we don't have that time. And it looks... Uh, oh, our... you still have six minutes. Yeah. Can you are booked for an hour and a half. Oh, I had an hour and 15. But <laughs> I don't care. You can stay oh, on Okay, you could be right. I would like to finish it early anyway. So, well, uh, actually, uh, Come on, in 1608... The British people uh, who started coming here in 1587 uh, uh, with uh, Walter Raleigh, uh, who was the leader, and then they realized that they encountered so many difficulties uh, when they emigrated from Britain to this land, and they had to learn a lot. And the native 
people whom Columbus called Indians because Columbus thought he reached India. So he thought these people were Indians. As the term is used, uh, uh, Indians for Native Americans, you know, the British people learned a lot. So they organized a Thanksgiving Day to appreciate the help that Native Americans or what you call Indians provided. And that was the first Thanksgiving Day, uh, you know, between the British and Native Americans. But now in America, the Thanksgiving Day has become a family reunion day. And people cook a lot. And probably some people cook only on Thanksgiving. Otherwise, don't cook. But they cook and they meet together and they have good time with their family, their cousins, their uh, near and dear one. And that's, that's how this holiday is celebrated. Okay. So I think most of you know, but those who do not know, that's the story behind it. Uh, being a history major, sometimes I feel like sharing some historical background. Okay. So with that, I wish you all a happy Thanksgiving and good week ahead, good weekend, good holidays. And I will see you on December 1. Our presenter will be Jan Levine. With that, I wish you all good luck and see you after two weeks.